Sandball Podcast Network. Paul Charchian here, longtime fantasy players. You'll remember my first fantasy company, Fanball.com, one of the original fantasy sports sites. Great news. I've got the band back together. Yes, Fanball.com is back with many of the same people, and we're ready for a new era. You know I built LeagueSafe as the industry's first consumer protection service, making sure that winners got paid, so it shouldn't surprise you that Fanball.com is the only fantasy sports company built from the ground up with a singular mission to ensure fair play. In addition to all the awesome free content that you remember from Fanball, we also have season-long and daily fantasy sports contests. And best of all, Fanball.com has the Fanball number. Your Fanball number identifies your skill level and ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. No longer will regular players like you be overrun by hundreds of expert-level entries into your contest. If your Fanball number is 55, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s. I've leveled the playing field with a Fanball number at Fanball.com. Get your Fanball number today. Hi. Uh, just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything. Nothing to be worried about. The Explosive Output Podcast. Sorry, I explosives! Hey. T-Bone, ladies are gonna love you. Hi everybody, welcome to the Explosive Output Podcast. It's uh, Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Oh, and our guest, it's not Tuesday, but it's 2V's day on, on the Explosive Output Podcast. Welcome, John Tuvi. Thanks for having me. Um, Tuvi and I, well, you were at Fanball Original back in the day. Yes. I was the very last intern at Fanball who got yeah, we, put we, in the Oval Office with you. We took some liberties with our female guests. and Oh, no, wait, that was a different story. Yeah, you were the last <laughs> intern that we had. Yeah, um, that was good times back in the day. Um, wanted to get uh, get your your history because uh, uh, that's what we're, I'm kind of interested in on this show is learning wow. more about people and and figuring out where where you got your your start. So there's a lot of history. How far back it, do I need to let's, go? Let's go back to uh, um, outside of utero. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I grew up in a very small town, Janesville, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Mankato. Okay. And uh, the son of a football coach, which is where my love of the game uh, came from. And uh, it's been a real treat this past year. My my son graduates from high school this year and had his senior year of football. And uh, my dad was able to come up and see all of his games as oh, well. Oh, that's so, awesome. I saw uh, a lot of pictures of you and your dad and Elliot, yep, who is your son. Um, yep together on on facebook and yeah it's uh it's it's a bond that uh, i've been fortunate enough to spread throughout my life i uh i played high school football i was a big fish in a small pond and then i went to st john's and was a smaller fish in a much bigger pond so i was a bench warmer for four years but it was there that i played in my first fantasy football league and thought this is really cool i'm gonna have fun doing this so kept that up who was in your first fantasy football league Um, back in st john's jimmy gillardy and and I were in the first league. It was uh, 1988. It was the preseason. You know, we, we had some guys on campus for football practices, and I don't remember much about the league, so I'm sure I didn't win. Mm-hmm. But I remember having Thurman Thomas as a rookie. Nice. And then the following year, uh, we started a league with some friends that is still in existence, 
And then the year after that, we started a league with more college friends, and that one has become the two VFFLs, and that one is still in, in existence. So how long have these leagues been running then? So that's almost 30 uh, years. Yeah, tw- I believe we're 28 and 29 years wow. in a couple leagues. That's so. pretty awesome. And with those leagues, one of the that was back when we did stats by hand. I mean, we listened, sure. listened to the radio, listened to John the Commissioner Habermeyer and Guy Green on the radio <laughs> reading box scores on yeah. Sunday nights. That was our internet. And, uh, you know, I put together this newsletter, which was my creative outlet at the time mm-hmm. with a little, a little Photoshopping before Photoshopping was cool. So a lot of throw it on the copier and copy and that sort of thing. And had a, a nice little newsletter that uh, eventually led to me cold calling Paul Charchian yeah. after I discovered the Fantasy Football Weekly newsprint magazine. And, I, and you're in the same state. And discovered I was in the same state, and I think I was a subscriber for the first five or six years of it, and then as luck would have it, the job I was doing went away, and I was without anything to do. It was right before the uh, football season started, and I wrote a letter that Chart still talks about, because I compared my skills to... Randy Moss and my availability to John Randall. If you remember, <laughs> as a free agent, contacted all 32 teams. So I went undrafted, and I'd like to play for you. And yeah, worked out okay for him. And nice. Worked out okay for me. I started out doing. Uh, I was like the stat guy at the old Fanball Fantasy Football Weekly, mm-hmm. um, and I had a lot of uh, pre-press and production skills. So helped putting the uh, everything together for the print product and sending it to the printer and. And this the, was back when you guys were solely a print. We had they had just launched Fanball. I mean, okay. liter- literally, that was the first season of it. So it was Bo Mitchell, it was uh, Rick Kamla, Jeff Haydock was there, Charch, uh, Tom Blomberg, um, who were some other names that uh, people were called, Bernie Kelcher, um, and it was a uh, it was a fun grin. Rob Fithian, who's our company president now, was, yeah. was also still there. And then uh, the more it went on, and I was contributing during the Sundays where we all gathered and watched football and they thought I might be a decent writer and I thought I was a decent writer. So I got to do a little bit more and a little bit more. And then it was, well, let's take all this pre-press stuff that is so time consuming off of his plate. We actually got a legit designer and I got to be a full-time writer. And Nice. Then I wrote, I wrote until Fanball went away and then I hooked up with David Dory and Whit Walters at the huddle and hung with them for another eight years. And then that went away, and I thought, am I going to have to actually grow up and get a real job? <laughs> no. And no, Rob Fithian came back with yet another opportunity to stay in the fantasy industry. So I figure at my age, I'm closer to retirement than I am to the start of my career. And uh, if I can continue to fool people and, and write about football and have people pay me about it for a living, that's, uh, that's a good life. You I won't s- complain. You skipped ahead of uh, one of my favorite John Tuvey stories, and it's <laughs> from from Uh-oh. your from your playing days at St. John's. <laughs> and I think you have to tell the story for the people who haven't heard. Well, and and your claim to fame at St. John's. So the funny part is that uh, Jimmy Glardy and I graduated the same year. Uh, he's the youngest son of John Glardy, who was okay. the coach, the legendary coach, and the coach that I played for at St. John's. And Jimmy and I lived on the same floor our senior year. I kind of, I mean, I knew who Jimmy was. We were on the team together, mm-hmm. but we didn't really hang out. But senior year, we were both, uh, we were the only guys on our floor. When football moved in, 
it was the two of us, so we played a lot of uh, RBI baseball on the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, he had these monster. He also did some DJing on the side at dances <laughs> and stuff. So I had these monster speakers that we played. Uh, uh, is when U2 Rattle and Hum came out, so we blasted a lot of U2 out of those speakers. And he was telling me I was up at St. John's uh, with my son doing the semi-official visit. Uh, mm-hmm. basically went up to watch a football game, and they were kind enough to entertain us. And he said, we found some old video footage, and it's the actual footage of this game. So he was showing it oh, to really? players on the team because they didn't believe <laughs> this story. And I said, you got to get me a copy of that. So... Uh, I, I did not play a lot during my four years. I played in eight games over the course of four years. My senior year, my junior and senior year, I was on the travel team. I was second team. I couldn't quite get past the these starters. And so my senior year, we had traveled to Augsburg, who was not a good football program My at the alma time. mater. Your alma mater. Yeah. They were down at the time. They were one of the <laughs> games where down? they had a nice stretch where okay. they, they were pretty good. All right. Um, at that point, it was one of those games where I thought, I got a pretty good shot at playing in this game. So we get up by a few points, and uh, I get in and late in the fourth quarter, and we're driving down the field. We get to about the five-yard line, and they call the play. And I'm playing right tackle, and I think the play is uh, uh, probably a, a 53, which would be a, a trap to the right side where I block down. So I get up to the line of scrimmage, and I look over. Oh, there's this guy for Augsburg, Yeah, a remarkable guy. I believe his name is Dave Stevens. Um, he went on to be a producer at ESPN. He's now a motivational speaker. He played. Uh, he had a baseball thing with the Saints, you know, which probably had some gimmick to it as well. But still, um, the dude has was born without legs. It, you know, just like mid thigh. Yeah. And he pulled himself around on his hands, and so he wrestled for Augsburg. He played. I was on their baseball team, and he was on their football team. You know, wrestling in that sense. You, it's a pretty big advantage to not have legs. Well, and and I mean, it's the weight. arm strength on this guy. <laughs> I mean, so he's a remarkable dude, and I, I don't want to belittle no. this in, in any way, but as a 21-year-old career backup, you know, and this is the pinnacle of my career. I'm late in a game, <laughs> and I look over, and I'm like, if I miss this block, I'm just going to take off all my football equipment, <laughs> leave it on the field, and walk back to St. John's because my career is done. So I blocked the guy, which you know involves basically just kind of diving on top of him, and we score a touchdown. I thought, okay, crisis averted, great. So we get to film on Monday, and we're at a point where if we're up by enough, John says, all right, we'll let the film run. You see a good play, call it out. Basically, everybody wants to get out of there and go up and, and eat dinner. So we get to that play, and I thought we're going to skate by, and my buddy Jimmy sitting next to me calls up, hey, Tuvi's got a good block on this play. <laughs> so John rewinds it and doesn't notice right away that I'm blocking a guy with no legs, but everybody else in the room does. So there first there's, you know, there's some muffled laughter. Well, John still doesn't notice, so he runs it back a third time. And he still hasn't noticed. And right now, Mike Grant, who is now the head coach at Eden Prairie and yeah. was an assistant for us at the time, <laughs> is sitting. And I thought he was going to explode. He was so red. He was laughing so hard and trying to hold it. And the whole place is just – and finally, John, after about four or five times of running it back, John notices, I'm blocking a guy with no legs. And, All right, move on. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for that, that memorable, memorable moment. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, I'm maybe the best – no-legged blocker in the history of, of St. John's. No one has blocked a no-legged guy like I did. Yeah, you're one for one. I'm one for one. Thank <laughs> God for that. If I was 0 for 1, I don't know that I'd be <laughs> talking to you today. I'd find a whole different career. Um, you are the guy in fantasy that I've turned to from 
for a very long time as the guy who knows offensive lines. Obviously, it's near and dear to your heart. Um, you are an offensive lineman. You're the father of an offensive lineman. And son of an offensive lineman. And the lineman. son of an offensive lineman. And, and one of the things that I think – I'm guessing a lot of the people who are listening probably get that, and they probably heard you on Fantasy Football Weekly enough or – uh, the fantasy football party podcast that you do, or the the other ones, fanball fantasy football. God, there's a million podcasts. I, I can't but shut up. You are you are you are the guy who, at the beginning of the year, every year you do pretty deep dives into offensive line play, and that's one of the things that I always find at the beginning of the year, and I always look at that, and I make sure that I know what are the two or three or four lines that Tuvi's really high on. And what are the three or four lines that you think might be good? But Tuvi says, these guys kind of look like crap this year. And if you follow those like four to five on each side with your running backs and your quarterbacks for that matter, frankly, you end up drafting a pretty good team if, if you, if you kind of ding those guys up and down based on their line play. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, especially the running backs. There's a little bit in, in you know, how deep a quarterback is able to throw, how much time he has. Yeah. Um, this year was odd in that a lot of the elite lines started out playing quite poorly, and some of it had to do with injury, especially with Dallas and missing Tyron Smith. Um, Oakland didn't play well. Pittsburgh took a little while to get going. Um, I, I'm mad at myself because I, I had Cincinnati pegged as a really awful offensive line, and then I didn't quite follow up on it as as much as I think I should have. Yeah, I, I dinged Joe Mixon because of it, um, and I maybe just should have dinged him more across the board. And they've really turned out to be a pretty bad line. Uh, Cleveland, I thought, was going to be better, and I don't know if that's, well, that's all. There's a Joe Thomas. Or, yeah, there's a Joe Thomas, but even too. before that, yeah. um, I was really pleased that, that I nailed the Rams' offensive line. I think if you go back and look at all of the offseason moves, their signing of Andrew Whitworth might have been and the single most important And that was the guy that you wanted guy. really oh. badly for the Vikings. You He's were... been one of my favorite non-Viking players for a long time because he, he could – put him at guard and he's a pro bowl guard you put him at tackle he's a, a pro bowl tackle and there's not a lot of guys that can move back and forth and Whitworth is from the Bengals as well right? yes yep that was one of the they kicked him to the curb they kicked Zeitler to the curb and and replaced him you know to their credit they did it right they had drafted a couple guys in the first and second round mm-hmm. um, a couple years ago that should have stepped in but from what we had seen from them in the past it wasn't a big leap to say they're not they're not give you what you thought yeah. so yeah, so the the Rams and you know John Sullivan coming back to health and and helping that Rams line has really pulled that together and that's I think you know maybe that's the one thing I've I've learned over the past few years is how critical that center is and so when the Vikings drafted drafted Pat Elfline mm-hmm. I mean that was I, I was that's positively a big key giddy. to their turnaround this yes, year I, I agree to it he's played well and. And he's held that line together, even as they've had a handful of injuries. Yep. Um, and he's a guy that I think they could build build around for the foreseeable future. When you watch football games on Sunday, Monday night, whatever, um, do you do you really pay attention to the offensive line while you're watching it, or are you are you enjoying it as like a, a whole grander scape? Or because you have offensive line <laughs> on your brain, are you are you seeing like two or three blocks on a play, and you're like, oh, that guy got just demolished on that player. Oh, that was an awesome pancake there. I'll see more line play than I think a lot of people will, but I do, especially on Sundays, I find myself distracted by 
everything else that goes on. And, and a lot of the camera angle mm-hmm. isn't conducive to watching line play. But the camera go, angle behind the quarterback is that the best way to watch? I like O-line play? I like that angle. That's when I before I was in the stands for my son's high school games. If I would go to high school games, which I did a little bit as uh, you know, doing a little bit of scouting for St. John's, I would like to stand in the end zone. And if you notice, a lot of schools set up that end zone camera view to to get that yeah. where you can see how things develop. That's when I went up to the St. John's game this weekend. That's where we sat, and it was really fun. Um, the kid who started at center for St. John's played middle school football with my son, was a oh, year nice. older, and he just got the starting job maybe three or four games ago. And so it was fun to watch. So he's a true freshman. He's then. a true freshman. And, okay. Uh, just fun to watch him, you know, as a center – making the calls, making the snaps, you know, doing this, and especially since my son was a center, you know, and pointing out because it's a very similar offense that they run from what my son ran in high school and what St. Mm-hmm. John still runs, almost essentially the same offense that we ran when I was there because yeah. why, why change what, <laughs> when it's working? How many so national championships are they on now? They're at four yeah. and uh, hopefully starting on the path to a fifth this week. So oh, the pl- playoffs kick off and, and it will it will be a lot of fun. But it's easier to go back on the, the Game Pass stuff or the, the replays and, and watch it that way. Now when Game Pass has the, the all 22, I mean, mm-hmm. that's – that was crack for me That uh, <laughs> as, as a guy who loves watching line play. And the cool thing is when I started doing offensive line stuff for the old Fantasy Football Weekly magazine, print mm-hmm. magazine, I remember the first year that Church let me do you know, a four-page article on offensive lines was the year that Edron James went from the Colts to the Cardinals. Yeah, and everybody I remember thought, that. Oh, hey, he's going to be just fine out there. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This was a good line, Arizona's line, not really. And so, and then when that turned out, they're like, "Well, no, we didn't see this coming." I'm like, but but we did, and, and but here's, we did. Yeah, here's some evidence, <laughs> and and so to kind of point to that was it, it lended more credibility to it. I, I don't think if there was as as big a hook there, then you know it would have been easy to just give that space to something else. But there there were a few guys doing offensive line stuff. We just weren't as well connected as as there are now well, now there's a lot of guys it's that still do offensive the not line sexy stuff. position to talk about right. in the it's, nfl you don't but carry like, the ball and no that they, they don't do anything oh, <laughs> oh well they do carry the ball i mean the marshall newhouse yeah. was as as much fun as i've had watching football for a long time and and the, the tweet afterwards yes the that fact that the he could poke fun ever. and and i think that speaks to the mentality of offensive linemen i mean when you see the ball on the ground, the first thing you think of is, I get to be a hero. I'm going to pick this up, and I'm going to run 70 yards for a touchdown. I and have you take a two steps, dance. and like, I still have 69 yards to go, and now <laughs> there's 11 people running at me, and this uh, isn't going to end well. The tweet that I mentioned was Marshall Newhouse <laughs> shot a photo of, of him in midair, like ball loose, completely doing horizontal, the helicopter. And, and, and his tweet was simply, mistakes were made. Yes. <laughs> It was just perfect. And, and it led to a great story, a couple stories from Jeff Schwartz, the former offensive line, whose brother is still with the uh, with the Chiefs, who had a couple stories. You know, every lineman has a story about the one time they got to touch the ball. Yeah. And, and he had one from in college where the play was supposed to go the other way and started coming back this way, and he was just kind of minding his own business, and the quarterback thought he was the pitch man. And so option it to Jeff Schwartz, and you can just see him catch the ball like, <laughs> you know, that split second, what do I do with that? And then, of course, it's like, glory is that way and then you take two steps and like oh this was not a good idea 
Should should offensive linemen be taught how to carry the ball <laughs> a little bit? Like just like the general, like get two freaking hands over it. So that, that's probably the <laughs> wisest. You know, we at St. John's, they teach you to cover the points, and linemen were hanging around enough that you want to back put the ball on the ground in practice, and they let him know that I think any lineman at St. John's that picked up the ball would know what to do with it. It's, it's funny. But he my, wouldn't pick up the ball. He'd fall on the ball, right? Probably, that's probably the best <laughs> thing. My son this year, uh, playing center, our quarterback was under duress. My son was air blocking. I mean, I think he had looked for a linebacker, no linebacker, and they were coming in from the, from the ends. And so the quarterback looked up and didn't see anybody open and so saw a jersey, and before he got sacked, he threw it. To my son, yeah, who isn't not an eligible, not an eligible receiver. receiver, and the film of him catching the ball—it's exactly you, you know the process <laughs> he's going through. He caught it. He's like, okay, <laughs> I'm going that way, and he took. You know, he got like four. Years. Of course, flags are coming out, and like, <laughs> hey, you know, years from now, you that play is going to be. You know, as a senior in high school, my homecoming game, I caught a pass. <laughs> Got a pass. Does it still count so, as a reception, despite the fact that it's a? Uh, I'm putting a it penalty? down as a reception. <laughs> uh, why not? He's put he, one for He's on the fantasy scoreboard. Yep, one for five. Uh, you are, just like me, a father of four children. Yes. Uh, the opposite of me, you have girl, boy, girl, girl. Yes. I'm boy, girl, boy, boy. Um, and your oldest goes to St. Ben's, yep. right? Yep, sophomore at St. Ben's. And she, what, what sport is she involved in? You know, she played a lot of softball and volleyball growing up, and I thought softball was going to be her sport. And then um, she did not make the softball team her freshman year, and okay. I think mom and dad were more disappointed than she was mm-hmm. because then she went out and joined, like, 17 other groups, and now she's back playing club volleyball up there. It was just in a tournament and, and really loving playing volleyball. And used her softball skills as well. She got grabbed to sub on somebody's co-ed team yeah. and hit home runs in her first two at-bats and co-ed <laughs> softball. Like, you're going to get calls, honey. Yeah. You know, people are going to, you remember that, Mariah? She, 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 yeah. so. Co-ed softball ringer right yep, there. She's, she got a nice nice swing. I, it was fun to watch her play you know, high school softball and club softball, and, and I th- I'll look forward to traveling to see her play a little bit of club volleyball as well. It's It's fun. You know, as much as uh, my my son's football banquet was Sunday and the football coach said, I suppose you're conflicted today. You have other things to do. I'm like, you know, Sunday pays the bills. And mm-hmm. I enjoy watching football, but I really enjoy Friday nights watching my son play. Saturdays going to college games or I've got a daughter who ran cross country this year and I'd never yeah. been to a cross country meet. And that was a different experience. I hear cross country meets are like, let's let's watch the start. And mm-hmm. let's watch the finish, and then it's a whole bunch of sitting around going, huh, what's Some, going on now? It, you got to <laughs> hang with the right people, and it also depends on how much you want to move. Okay. Because if you've been to the course, you know, okay, we watch the start, and then we go over here, and then we get to watch them run by, and then we go over here, and we get to watch them run by, and then we go back here to the finish. So okay. there's like three or four spots, but a lot of it is, at least for me, because I was just, okay, that person's wearing the same color as me, so they're from my school. I'll follow them and see what they do, and but that was that was entertaining. Uh, I got it. My youngest daughter still does everything. She plays volleyball, basketball, softball. So I get to my share of sporting events. You know the drill. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely do. Um, do you secretly hope that your son goes to St. John's? Um, I, not secretly. <laughs> I mean, I, I tried not to. Um, 
way too much into the yeah, decision. Yeah, I, I totally get it. You can't yep. like you can't like push them into anything like that. But and, and in, th- in the back of your mind, you're like, oh yeah, gotta be pretty sweet if he went to St. John's. It, it would be very it would be very cool. And you know, and I, and I told him as much. I said, I I want you to live your life, and if mm-hmm. your decision is to make your mark somewhere else, I'm all for it. And if you decide to go this place that I have so many great memories of. I will support that wholly. And if you want to play football or wrestle in college, great. And if you want to just, you know, do like Mariah's doing and get involved in all these other things, I support that as well. So I think he gets that. And, you know, getting he, – he's a teenage boy. Getting words out of him is, uh, you know, you need a pry bar and, and maybe some glue and I don't know what other devices. We haven't found a lot of things <laughs> that, that get words out of him yet. But uh, uh, he seemed to enjoy the, the St. John's trip and – it seems to fit a lot of what he wants to do, so we'll see. Do you have a Do you have a story of parenting four kids that is just something that was incredibly hilarious? Maybe you made a mistake in a certain situation. That <laughs> there and, are so many. I, I think I've only forgotten one kid, <laughs> and, and and she. I haven't has, done that yet. <laughs> she has never let us forget, and it wasn't really like we totally forgot her, but. You know, you, especially one of those. Are you picking her up or something yeah. like that? You know, I thought mom was getting her, and she thought I was getting her, and maybe somebody thought she was going on with somebody else. And I think she only had to stay at the school for an extra fifteen or twenty minutes. Well, but that's the whole not bad. the whole time, you're like, oh, and, and of course, and it's the one who is not going to at on her wedding day. I'm sure she'll say. And to my parents, who forgot me that one time after practice, but I still love them. You know, she <laughs> will will be living with that forever. I I don't have any good sitcom stories. I might, maybe I've blocked them all out. I, I have I have friends who, you know, they they've got four or five kids, and every story they tell me seems like God, I write. I should write that down because that that feels like a sitcom. You know, and I, I guess I, I don't know that that I have one. Maybe because. I'm living it the whole time. If there was a camera tracking us, I'm sure they'd say, "We've got three seasons of material here. You just, uh, you just don't realize it." Yeah. Um, with that many girls in the house, is the bathroom fight a real thing? Yeah. Well, I suppose you have one moved out now, but yep. at one point you had close to three teenage girls, or did you have oh, three teenage we, girls? We've got three until uh, this January. We'll still have three teenage girls. Not okay. And, in the house over, you know, it's tough when Mariah's back because we have a four bedroom house and we have sure. four kids. Well, mom and dad need a bedroom. Yeah. So the younger two share. And then when Mariah moved out, they split. And then when Mariah comes back, they have to go back together, which is tough. So I think the, the toughest bathroom days are going to be coming up with the now 14 and soon to be 16 year old girl okay. going through high school together. But are they uh, both in high school now? Um, nope. Becca is a eighth grader. Okay. Amanda's a 10th grader. Mm. Yep. They're, they're coming. Are, are your kids all two years apart? Like yes. mine in school? Well Man. spaced. Holy crap. Then here's the best part of it. And you, you're probably going to hit this soon. Um, the driving thing. Yeah. Um, I, I am so joyful anytime I have to take Becca up and drop her off at school that this is the last year I have to do any drop off because Mariah drove from her end of her sophomore year up through, and then Elliot sure. rode with for two years. And then now Elliot's driving, and Amanda's riding with. And so now we got to get Amanda her license so next year she can take <laughs> Becca for two years. Then Becca can drive, and then Dad doesn't have and to. And then you're free. Oh, and then, I think all the stupid we're gonna people go get in the world line up to. Then we're going to go get whiskeys at Dalton <laughs> and Wade. Oh, I'm all for that. Yeah. 
Because for some reason, they don't like you showing up to pick up your kid with a little whiskey on your breath. I, I don't know why. Ah, they never question me about it. <laughs> um, who's a handful of people that you should follow on Twitter that aren't necessarily people from the fantasy industry? Maybe somebody that mm. just good information or a good laugh or uh, anything along those lines. Well, I follow a lot of uh, uh, linemen centric things. Yeah. Uh, lineman problems, which <laughs> is you know, lineman pro- at lineman problems. I think it's, it might be lineman probs, but uh, at, <laughs> at lineman problems, uh, they, 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 they've just actually, they just posted a picture that I had sent them not too long ago of uh, my son when the pancake platoon of him flattening a guy during a game. But uh, they have a lot of t-shirts uh, that are offensive line centric. Their bit is uh Sun's out, guts out. So it's linemen with their <laughs> shirts pulled up over their belly. Doing doing their best Ezekiel doing, Elliott yes. impression. Uh, Brandon Thorne is a um, an offensive line analyst, not necessarily in the fantasy realm, mm-hmm. um, but does a lot of scouting. Um, trying to think of who else. You know, you know who's a really interesting, make-you-think kind of follow is John Cusack. And it might be politically divisive for some people. Yeah. Um, I know he's he's – further along one end of the spectrum than I like to go, but the dude weighs in and engages. And, you know, he, as a guy who I followed because, Hey, I watched all his movies in the eighties and it's sure. very entertaining. And, you know, and he's very tied to the Chicago sports scene, especially baseball, big Cubs fan and that sort of thing. Um, and just some of the stuff is like, you know, I'm going to keep following this guy cause it's intriguing. It's not a view that I necessarily Share or endorse or you know or but he's or eloquent with, but, about how he but puts it's it out interesting there and, and yeah yeah I, I try not to only follow people that are like me because yeah. I think if everyone was like me it'd be boring I like I like different views so you know there's um, hockey writers that I'll follow if I if I read an article by someone that's interesting mm-hmm. I'll, I'll follow them even though it's not necessarily you know, I'm not. I'm a hockey guy, but I don't follow a lot of hockey. But this person wrote this really interesting article, and they have a different angle on stuff than I do. Or this person you know, comes from a different end of the political spectrum, but they have an interesting view. And I'd like to see how they see that rather than just from my view. So uh, as I like to say, the, the Tao of Tuvi is wide and varied. How's that? <laughs> That, that's good. Um, who's your Who is your favorite uh, NFL player, past or present? Oh, good timing on that question because yeah. this Friday night on Whoa. NFL Network, yeah, a football life is my guy. Who's your guy? Eddie George. Eddie George. Yes, I, I was. I was like, sure, you were going to say an offensive lineman. Well, I mean, I mean, you could go back to Randall McDaniel is is probably my all time favorite football player, and I had the opportunity to meet him. Last year, I've met at, him a couple times. He's a, a really good dude. He's an amazing dude. He and he teaches now too, right? Yep, uh, like believe, elementary school. Yeah, elementary special ed, I believe. Yeah. You know, he's very and he was even doing that when he was a Viking, and he was uh, handing out medals at a wrestling tournament that my son was wrestling at uh, at Minnehaha Academy. Mm-hmm. And so after the game, or after he handed out the medals, and of course I'm taking pictures like crazy of him giving a medal to my son. I'm like, um. You're my all-time favorite football player. Can I get a picture with you? He's like, oh, sure, yeah. And, and just uh, <laughs> So Randall McDaniel, I think, is, is the all-time favorite. But uh, non-Viking, um, Eddie George. Uh, and why Eddie George? 
he was supposed to be a Viking. The Vikings were supposed to draft him when he came out, and I can't remember who if if the Titans jumped oh, on him. Trevor Oilers at that time. Check out the Eddie George draft. It was, he was like in the fifteen range, and he's from Philly, so I think the Eagles were maybe going to draft him as well. Okay, and I just he's like everything I'm not. He's he's tall and he's sleek and he's a running back and is everything that I always wanted to be. You know, Randall Cunningham <laughs> was the guy I wanted to be in football. I wanted to be this tall, fast guy that could run and throw the football and know I'm this short, fat guy that blocks. So, you know, the guys that are opposite me and so Eddie George was that and then it was just kind of the Eddie George, Steve McNair team. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers were, were fun to be a part of and at that time I was just starting to write for sure. Fantasy Football Weekly and I ended up covering, uh, were they the South at that time? Whatever division they were in when it was battles with the Ray Lewis Ravens. The and Central. The Steelers Central, and the Jaguar. Yeah. And so it was, you know, I got to go in-depth on, on Eddie George, and he was he kind of became my guy. Yeah, Eddie George draft. drafted uh, first round, 1996, 14th overall. The Vikings yep. had the 16th pick. Yep, mm. yep there it was. And I've, sniped. I've got the uh, closet full of Eddie George jerseys to prove my my love of him. I've got an old school Oilers. I've got you name of jersey that the Titans have had, you know, the Battle Red, the Dark Blue, the Light Blue, I got a white. They had a Ohio Battle, State. battle Red. Oh, they had a Battle Red, you bet. You got to bring that one in. Okay. I got to see that we'll cuz I'm a in. big jersey guy. I, I am too. I, I don't wear them much anymore, but I don't uh, wear them a lot either, but it'd be I, fun. We should hang them around here. I think that would be a good look for this room. Well, Stike put the Mark Price jersey up on the on the wall out there. We don't have a lot of walls in here. That's, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Well, maybe once we knock out rub. a wall, make some more space. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your favorite? While we're on that, what's your favorite jersey oh. in the NFL? Oh, maybe in the, all in time the, in the NFL. Let's try NFL okay. first, and in then the you NFL, can then you can expand. Hmm. Um, in the NFL, you know the the old school deep purple Vikings, you know, just because I'm, I'm a Vikings just fan. Just with the, the dark purple with yep. just the stripe on yep. the sleeve. I, I liked those. Um, I liked the old school Bengals uh, before they were starting to get too crazy with the stripes. Mm-hmm. So like Kenny Anderson era sure. Bengals. And it's probably heresy for a, a Vikings fan to say, but the Cowboys jersey that kind of looks like the college all-star jersey that has the blue With the stars on the shoulder? The stars, I really like that jersey too. It's heresy for me to say it too, but I like the Packers throwback ones that they wear—the navy blue with the yellow circle with the number the, in the middle. You know, like those, those I just aren't think bad. that looks like a pretty cool jersey. Those I've, aren't bad. I've always been a big fan of the uh, the Rams royal blue and golds yeah. too. And the, always a the, just a really slick jersey. The Chargers, the the powder blue Chargers is a a classic look. You're wearing you're wearing a John Elway jersey right now. Yeah, uh, from from the old. It was orange it was available in a size that fit me, and I, I don't mind Elway. So the uh, those jerseys though, back when it had the royal blue for Denver, and they the had the, the D with the yep. horse coming out of it, blowing I, smoke out its nose. Yeah, yeah, I thought those were pretty sweet too. I liked when they did the color rush last year, and they put that logo back on the dark blue ah, helmets, yes, and I thought yes. I thought that looked pretty. Pretty sweet too. They could do so much with those, although I think they're handcuffed by not being the able one to shell do rule. The, yeah, yeah. Yep, that that makes it a little tricky. It sounds like the Eagles and uh, Jeffrey Lurie are pushing hard for that rule to be dropped, so the Eagles can wear the Kelly green. Because the, yeah. the Kelly green Eagles yeah. jerseys were pretty bomb. Those were slick. I'm pretty sure at some point I had a Randall Cunningham Kelly green. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the 
yeah, I have I have an old school Elway, but that's my only like real like old school one. I have a lot of Viking jerseys, but what the jersey that I always thought was hideously awesome is the old brown and gold Padres jerseys. I have a Dave Winfield I, of those. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty jealous of that. Yeah. I was in San Diego uh, last winter, and I went to Petco to their team shop. It was not during the season or anything like that, but I was just walking around. And they had a Winfield jersey there. I was like, oh, I should buy that. But it was like it was like 200 bucks. Yeah, and I was like, I can't was, drop 200 bucks. Yeah, I don't this. think mine's authentic. <laughs> I think mine was eBay for like $35. Ah. But, uh, yes, I, I like that. And, you know, that was when I was, you know, that was what, mid-70s. So I was at a very influential time in my childhood. And the cool jersey to have at that point, and I did have one, was the Astros, the Tequila Sunrise. Oh, Loved those that are sweet jersey. jerseys, yep. too. The ones that like look so dated and ugly are always the ones that I go back to, and I'm like, dude, those are those are awesome right yep. there. Um, you mentioned back in your youth. How about I asked Brian this question? I haven't asked anybody else. What's your fa- favorite memory from high school that started in a car? That started S- started in a or car. finished in a car? Hmm. It had to be some cool Painesville Rock City. <laughs> Janesville, not Janesville. Janesville. Um, <laughs> let's see in a car. Well, we, we, I got to drive when I was, uh, growing up, my parents bought a 1970, 73, maybe, um, Chevy Caprice classic, which we called the boat because it was about Oh, I the remember size. those Caprice classics. Yes. They had the, the bench seats in the front mm-hmm. and back Oh, and, yes. and you could fit four across easy or you could in those lay down if yeah. you were out parking yeah there you go that, so we won't go with that memory <laughs> uh, but thompson twins were playing in the background all right um it, maybe rolling around town in that car and uh um uh, no actually probably the best one that started and ended in a car was uh you know there were the jobs uh in janesville were agricultural related sure. the summer work and so one summer i was over in the nearby in the suburb of janesville pemberton just about 10 miles down the road. Mm-hmm. And we did a, a variety of things, including uh, injecting pigs with their vaccine. And we did some hay baling and we did all kinds of stuff. And okay. it was me and uh, my friend Trevor. And so on the way back. It was you? Uh, different different a Trevor. Different Trevor. Um, but <laughs> in the road between Pemberton and Janesville uh, has a stretch of probably, uh, I, I know that they used to paint a line on it um, because they'd use it for drag racing. And I'd been told that the engine in this Caprice Classic was pretty powerful. So I thought, let's see what she's made of. See what we can do. And the speedometer went up to, I believe, 105 is where it went up to. And I'm not saying which side of the 105 the needle was on. But (laughs) I looked over at Trevor next to me, and Trevor was ashen, I believe. is the (laughs) the, the, He he was concerned that it it might all come to an end very quickly and suddenly. Uh. So that that probably was the uh, the most uh, entertainment because you know Janesville was not not that exciting. It's We'd have to go to Mankato to find our fun. Uh, Although I was in Mankato uh, this couple weeks ago, and as we were, I was unfortunately I was visiting my mom who's in the hospital. Um, everything's fine, but um, as we were leaving the hospital and going to a different part of Mankato, we we're like, oh, I remember this hill. There's a very steep hill in Mankato. I know this hill. Uh, we I'm rolled, familiar. We, we rolled a bowling ball down that hill. Wow. How'd Just, that happen? Well, we had an extra bowling ball at my friend Mike's house, and we thought, wouldn't that be fun to roll that down the hill and see the look on 
the face of a car that's driving up and sees a bowling ball. They have good curbs there. to keep it yeah, within, it, I, within the. Know, uh, and then, of course, after we threw confines. it down, we thought this is probably not a great idea. So <laughs> then we took off and ran. So I don't know what the look on the face was, but if you were ever in Mankato and were driving up, you know, Main Street Hill and saw a bowling ball coming at you, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully you're still alive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how it ended? No. Where did the we, bowling ball? We heard some loud noises. Uh, probably in the river at that point. We didn't hear any crash or read anything in the paper, so I think it ended okay. Just launches off one of the little yes. jumps and through a windshield. Um, I had a similar story in which um, my friend lived at the top of a hill uh, in his uh, neighborhood in Eden Prairie, and they had a very curvy street that went downhill and at the bottom of the hill was one of his good friends from the neighborhood and his driveway went straight in from uh from the edge of the road okay it was perpendicular to another road but it came right in we rolled a tire down the hill and it's curvy but it had the nice little rain gutters that Mm -hmm. were not like the hard 90 degree stop but the ones that have a little bit of give to them that they put on most of the streets now and it hit this this curb and it would it would come back and okay. then it hit the next curb and then it would come back and it rolled right into his buddy's garage door which was wide open went between two cars oh no and then knocked over a garbage can like at the back of their garage it like it was like That's the most fantastic. amazing shot and it was like <laughs> it was literally from a quarter mile or more away <laughs> when we when we let that thing go. So did that lead you to set up, you know, back the cars out of the driveway and put up like a dart board and like, hey, let's go play some darts at Andy's place. And we go to the top and, oh. Well, we weren't with his buddy who lived in the house at the time. We weren't with him. So he ran into the garage really quick, picked up the garbage can, <laughs> put the garbage back in, grabbed the tire and, and headed out. It was it was a pretty funny day. Um <laughs> Speaking of uh, youthful nights back in back in the deep south of Minnesota, <laughs> um, what was the best drinking night you ever had? Maybe in, maybe in high school, maybe in college. Oh, let's see. It, I didn't. You know, my dad was a coach, and yeah. I didn't drink at all in high school. I, okay. I do remember coming back my first summer um, of having discovered beer at St. Oh. John's and uh, coming back. And it was the town festival, Heydays. Yeah. And so went up to the bar. Heydays. Heydays, <laughs> yep. And so there's classmates at the bar, and they're impressed that I'm actually drinking and making quite a night of it. And I, my summer job that summer was working for the local newspaper, the weekly, yeah. the Janesville Argus. And my responsibility the next morning was to get up and cover the fun run, which kicked off part of... Fun run, Heydays. Yes. And... Uh, also, one of my first nights of drinking, it also led to one of my first hangovers and, and being sick in the morning and, of course, getting no sympathy from my dad, who's like, well, race starts in about 15 minutes, so you better throw up one more time and get over there with the camera. <laughs> that's okay, good, dad. That's a good dad right yep. there. Oh, yeah. He, he <laughs> said, I don't need to do any parenting here. I think Mother Nature's <laughs> taking care of it for me. So I don't know if that's favorite night, but uh, certainly one of the more memorable ones in, in beautiful Janesville, Minnesota. Um. I woke up my kids yesterday morning, my two oldest kids. Um, we we have a fairly early bedtime. We're weird at our house, and we tell our kids to go to bed 8, 8.30. They're both in middle school. 
and they probably hate that, but we're just like, you need sleep. They're, they're terrible getting up in the morning. At about 11 o'clock at night, one of them was in the other one's room, and they're talking and laughing and giggling. And I came up, and I was like, I had asked you guys to go to sleep like two and a half hours ago, and you're still up. You're still in jeans? Come on, man. So they went to bed. And I woke them up yesterday morning with a wooden spoon and a pan. Ooh. Bing, 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 bing. Like, way. <laughs> lights all on as, as, <laughs> as loud as they could. And and the pan and nice. they were like, "Don't ever do that again." And I'm like, oh, "Go to bed yeah, on time." That's that's the fun <laughs> part of parenting. All those other times that uh, they get take advantage of you, you get you get a little revenge here and there. Yeah. Um, switching gears, what's a common myth about the fantasy sports industry? Hmm. People when when they ask you something or they want to know about, oh man, you must you must love this aspect of your job. What's what's the one thing that people are getting wrong? Hmm. I don't know if there's something that that they're getting wrong. I guess maybe they just assume that, you know, like uh, like I was saying, the the high school football coach at the banquet that, uh, you know, we're we're so devoted to the NFL. I mean, I I have I've had some struggles with the NFL with the concussion uh, issues, and you yeah. know, I'm not a big fan of the business side. And there's been a couple times where I've thought, you know, not through my choice, but the NFL might be not be an option for a job. You know, if there's a strike, there's not going to be fantasy football. And that's true. So maybe it's that, uh, the myth is that because we're in the industry, we buy in whole hog to everything else that's going on. Whereas I think any fantasy analyst, uh, worth his or her salt is, is questioning a lot of the business side and questioning the, the concussion protocol and has an opinion about, you know, the, the kneeling and the protest and the quarterback play and, and everything else. You know, we're not, we're fans. Yes, yeah. we're fans, but you know, we're not, maybe, maybe the easy comparison for a Vikings fan to make is, is as a Packers fan, you know, there's, there's blanket, um, stereotypes of the Packers fan, and they, I'm sure, have the same about Vikings. Oh fans. no, those are all true. Oh, yeah, they're, they're all drunk. They're basically all, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that one of the first times I had an intelligent conversation with a Packers fan, and it was so funny because I was giving him a hard time. I was like, you know, I didn't really expect to have an intelligent conversation with him. What do you mean? Like, you know, I'm joking. I mean, I, there's as a Vikings fan, we don't admit it, but you know, a lot of it is is predicated on jealousy oh, i'd sure. love to have four trophies in my trophy case you know and and i don't well, and, you do. and, and, and most packer fans will let you know how many trophies they have in their trophy case and how many that you have in yours yes there's a very i think that when that light clicked on for me it was a, a johnny tommy kind of thing because the johnnies have four national football championships the tommies have none and so i'm lording that over the time is going I'm being a Packer fan here, so let me let me think about this. Am I, you know, <laughs> if they're doing it to me and I don't like it, am I doing it to them? You know, I have to I have to come to, you know, marry those two, come to grips with that, and, <laughs> and understand. Yeah, if you do it, you better uh, you, you better be able to to back it up or or take take the punch as well as give it. I guess. As the son of a football coach and the father of a football player, how do you think that this concussion thing in football in general plays out? You know, I'm seeing more and more uh, parents not have their kids play football, and, and even people, you know, NFL players, yeah, um, not have their kid play football. I think at the youth level and at the high school level, there are so many similar ways you could get a concussion. You know, soccer, 
hockey, I think, is is really bad, and the the what they're doing with helmets and coaching and that. I think it's a lot less, or maybe not not more likely to happen in football, but it's it's kind of across sports. You know, in in a lot of the parents that I've talked to, as far as concussions, hockey seems to be the toughest one because that that ice does not forgive when you when you go down. When you so, hit it, yep. Um, I, you know, there were times. Not necessarily during a game, but you know when you think, man, it it, it could all you know a blown knee or uh, something. It could all end. It, last year, uh, a game that uh, my son was playing in, a uh, kid that he had wrestled from Simley, um, they had to cut the you know do the cut the jersey off and take him off on a backboard and, and the whole thing. And you're thinking, you know, wow, that if not for whatever that that could be my kid and yeah. how how do I deal with that and the kid was great he you know came back he wrestled that year he went to state in wrestling he he was fine he's wrestling in college but you know I'm sure having him go through that and then having talked to um his parents at a wrestling meet about it, it's like you know I, I can't imagine what that's like on oh, you know it's it's not easy that's your kid on the field and they're putting him on a backboard and you're thinking did I you know did I lead to this by sure him playing football, but fortunately that never had a big wave of that happen during a football game. And now that he's through his high school career without any serious injury, knock on wood, that uh, you know, I, I guess. Do you think it'll it'll hurt the feeder programs feeding into the NFL, or will we still find athletes we'll gravitating s- we'll to the find, NFL for the yeah, long we'll haul? We'll still find athletes, and I think it's good for the feeder programs. You're seeing a lot more of them. They'll play flag. Yep. or touch or whatever up through until they're yeah. at an age where you can teach them you don't go in head first and this is the functional way to tackle and that sort of thing. Um, Elliot started playing tackle in third grade. It, it might end up being more like middle school by the time yeah. this whole concussion thing goes. And you know, and there were a couple kids that had some concussions that were when they were younger and you know, was that was that going to happen anyway? Would that have happened in another sport? I don't know. But I don't think it's going to have a – I think it's specifically tough for guys at, at your position, really. I mean, offensive linemen have a helmet hitting them in the helmet how many times <laughs> a game? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're getting maybe not the repeated crazy blows like the wide receivers and the cornerbacks and uh, and those guys get, but you know, it's, it's like – Yes, it's you know, it's the, constant. The, the 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 little slap every right every third or fourth play. Yeah, well, it's you know they they give kids a concussion test now at, before every yeah, game. Yeah, we did so. we did baseline concussion yeah. testing in soccer at the high school level. It, it's interesting to me that the youth sports are they're kind of coming around on it, but they're very hesitant to add that as a cost. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. There's there's a cost to everything, and yeah. I, but I think. I think there's enough, you know, with with the athletic trainers and and whatever out there that are going to find a way to make it work. That that the cost won't be a prohibitive cost. You know, they'll they'll find a way to make it because, you know, they're like one of Elliot's wrestling teammates went through concussion protocol. It was an extended. It was like a month long thing, and he uh, was going to be an accountant. That's what he wanted to go to college to be an accountant. And you know, math was hurting his brain. He had to sit at home in the quiet room and, and retrain, you know, all that he was going to, I believe the Vikings concussion doctors who they ended up sending him oh, really? to. So he was doing some pretty high level 
retraining of the eyes and the brain and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's, it's an intriguing science that, you know, the more we know, the more problems we see. But as far as it impacting the future of football, I, I think it will make it safer. I don't know that it will dramatically wean out the talent pool to a point that, yeah. you know, the NFL will suffer. Maybe we'll get better quarterbacking. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'll leave you on this question. Um, what, what was your favorite NFL moment of all time moment Mm. or game? One that you just look back to and you're like, that was the best ever. Wow. You know, as a Vikings fan, I can give you like five off the top of my head of the most painful that, you know, yeah, we we have a lot of painful ones. Uh, how about we, we skip the NFL and we go to, uh, 2003 where in the, the semifinals, of the <clears throat> excuse me division three playoffs uh classmate of mine from st john's calls and says we're going to the national championship game I'm like no we can't my wife just had a baby in october you know so i've got a uh you know one and a half month old here fourth kid ah no it's, big deal it's football season I, I can't pick up and fly to salem virginia he's like no no i he said put put mary on the phone so he gets on the phone with my wife and if you know Pat, you know that it was already a done deal because <laughs> Pat sold him. And so we flew out to Salem, Virginia for the Johnny's National Championship game. And we arrived at, I want to say, 5 o'clock on a Friday. The game was at 11 o'clock or noon, maybe East Coast time on Saturday. And then we flew back after the game. And it was, I think of that whole time, we slept an hour or two. Nice. Um, saw all of the finest that salem virginia had to offer <laughs> as far as the interior of bars and then uh, <laughs> and then saw them, them just play a an amazing football game and, and win a national championship and to be at that was as much fun as any football game i've you know that i wasn't actually participating in it was just an amazing was, experience was, uh, ryan keating on that team was quarterback that team he, he yep. he's my classmate from high school okay actually, yeah he so. was he was amazing, and uh, uh, Blake Elliott was their their standout running back slash receiver. Sure. And then we got to see uh, where we were leaving uh, or flying out of the airport. We were there at the same time that the, the St. John's football team was there, so I got to talk to uh, Jimmy Gillardi, um, you know, and talk to him about the game afterwards. And there was one stretch where they scored a touchdown right before the second half where they didn't have a timeout. They ran. It was just like a little – uh, flare out pass to a running back and the kid caught it w- went down and then they ran the exact same play a second time and they score the kid bulled his way into the end zone for a touchdown I said you know who because Jimmy's calling the play at that point I said okay so who had the stones to call that play a second time you know in that situation he's like well we went over for the timeout and looked at my dad and dad said hey shit run that same play again <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's, you know, how many years of coaching experience. And it's one of my favorite philosophies. Like, if they haven't stopped it yet, there's no reason not to do it again. And ran the same play, and this kid bulled it in, and they, I think they were up at halftime, and then they got a late touchdown from Blake Elliott, and the rest was history. Nice. Um, Scott Fish just, like, popped his uh-oh, head into the uh, studio. I'm worried. And I, I'm going to hand you the note oh, that great. he handed me. Oh, great. There it is. Um. You can read it out loud. <laughs> Did you bring up blocking the guy with no legs? <laughs> yes, my, my claim to fame now. Uh, That's what Scott Fish needed to get in the podcast. You know, I, I, the, I think the first time I ever actually told that story 
outside of a group of friends sitting around drinking was uh, on uh, Andy Carlson's podcast earlier this year. And now it's it's kind of taken on a life of its own <laughs> to the point that I should really, because I know we should Dave, see if we can get Dave uh, is out there somewhere. We should see if we can get him on on the podcast. I, it would not surprise. I mean, the dude, like I said, he he was a producer at ESPN for yeah. for many years, and I think now he's just a motivational speaker. I'm sure and, he's an awesome dude. Well, I mean, I'm just sure to, he remembers to, you. Yeah, as well. <laughs> I mean, that fat kid that jumped on me on the, made that uh, silver gnome turf stick up in my oh man, yeah, uh, the, the old Augsburg Field. You, were, was it still the silver gnome turf when you were there? Like the Pontiac Silverdome, they tore, they when, when they replaced when they replaced the turf in the Silverdome. They sent the old stuff to Augsburg. Uh, I I don't remember so it having it was having a stuff. lion on it or anything like well, that. I, don't but. Know. I think they painted that off. But Tuvi, thank you for yeah, coming in. My uh, pleasure. It was you can fun. follow uh, John Tuvi at J Tuvi on Twitter and uh, ask him all sorts of fantasy sports questions specifically fantasy football especially sure. uh over I'll the weekends answer he answers everything so that's my job uh and thanks trevor for producing uh they don't call him the best color man in the game for nothing they do not they do not call me that <laughs> they for do nothing. not call you that at all <laughs> all right well uh we might have a special extra episode of the explosive output podcast on friday or saturday possibly i'm looking forward it's, to that it's I've, uh, I've heard rumors th- there's there's rumors that we might have a very special guest we're going to see if it works out timing might be an issue there so uh but thank you guys for listening and i appreciate if you rate and review the podcast on itunes every rating we can get on itunes blog talk stitcher spreaker all those things, uh, everything that you do to rate and review it gets uh, more people to listen, and then I'll keep doing these. So uh, thank you guys a lot for listening and supporting the show. Uh, for Tuvi and Trevor, this is Matt signing off. There are two kinds of angry people. Explosive and implosive. Explosive is the kind of individual that you see screaming at the cashier for not taking their coupons. Sandball Podcast Network.